What happens when two former political staffers, one Labour and one Tory, meet? And become surprisingly good friends. Introducing the After Party Podcast. A comedy podcast about ideas, politics and truthfully an unlikely friendship. With me, Sarah Southern. And me, Chloe Green. Well, welcome to the after party, the first one. <laughs> you were so unsure. About I know. I suddenly that. like wondered whether we were really here or not. But we are. We're, we're here. It's the first. It's real, after baby. Party. Yeah. After yeah. a long while thinking about it. Yeah. Welcome to the first after party. Well, may there be many more. May there be many, Chloe. May there be many. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Are you well? I'm lovely. I'm very well, thank you. Good. Yeah. Good. Do you think we should let our listeners know? Why we're here. Yes, that's probably <laughs> a good place to start. Okay, well, I'm Sarah, and uh, I'm a Tory. Boom. <laughs> I jest, <Cheer>. I jest. <laughs> and you're... I'm Chloe, and I'm a, like, you know, I bleed labour. Bleed labour? Crumbs. Yeah, well, I was going to say cut me open and I'd bleed red, but I well, think we all would. Yeah. That is how that works, <laughs> I mean, works, cut me it? and I bleed teeny tiny Margaret Thatcher's, but, you know, <laughs> I think that's an affliction I need to go to the doctors Each about. Each to their own, but I would speak to somebody <laughs> about that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think our politics are, like, very different, aren't they? They are very different, but what's interesting is that we're really good mates. Yeah, I don't know how I've managed to sustain you, to be honest. <laughs> I'm a lot of people, because we're obviously both comedians, I'm a lot of people in the comedy community's token Tory friend, mm. which is strange because none of them are my token friends. So <laughs> I think they need to stretch their you know, friendship groups a little bit more. It would be very cute if you had like a token Labour voter friend when you live in bloody Vauxhall, <laughs> South know. London. That'd be incredible. Like, How have you walked down the street? Like, Can you imagine like, doing the job that I do of being a comedian, living in Zone 1 and London and mm. then not knowing anyone other than Tories yeah I would I would think that most of your friends were like 70 I'd be like <laughs> babe are you all right you've been hitting the bingo well, too hard good to be involved with you know older people they're important, <laughs> important in the community <laughs> they are they are the reason we met and the reason we came together um are kind of separate things aren't they because we met through comedy mm-hmm and we're both stand-ups, and we've both been going about the same amount of time, a couple of years now, both live in South London. Um, but interestingly, we both were staff members of our respective parties for several years. Sarah, you worked on David Cameron's election in 2010, right? Yeah, I worked for the Conservative Party for just shy of a decade, I think. So when I first started working with the Conservative Party, it was when Michael Howard was the leader. So a long, long, long time ago now. And I must have started working for Party, I think, in 2004. Wow. And then worked on the 2005 election. Then obviously we had a leadership contest and David Cameron became the leader mm. and then was leader of the opposition for a long time. Mm. And then the prime minister for a reasonable amount of time. So Yeah, six years. But I've not worked in party politics for a little while, but you more recently yeah. have worked uh, at the heart of the Labour Party, <laughs> haven't you? I have, yeah. I think we sort of done like an interesting like tag team over the last two decades. That's very we? true, haven't we? Yeah. Because <laughs> you, I guess like you finished up when David was elected and then I, my political career, that's when it began, yeah. really. I was a belligerent little student activist who heckled David Cameron in 2010 and it's sort of, I guess I was uh, sort of working in like the charity sector and doing like political activism on the side and then worked for the party 
um, under Jeremy Corbyn's leadership, leadership, leadership <laughs> um, for the last few years. It should have been laid to rest. So yes, oh, it was a leadership. A leadership. <laughs> God, she's good. That's what they pay me the big bucks for. <laughs> um, but it's quite funny as you, you kind of alluded to it there. But during the 2010 general election, I know you were a student down in Southampton, mm. and you pretty much cornered David Cameron, I think, at an event. Now I wasn't working that event. That wasn't my event when I was looking after David Cameron. I made sure that people didn't, you know, throw eggs at him or corner him. I tried to make sure that he was, you know, protected. Uh, but whoever was looking after him that day did a bad job and you got a little bit too close and you I had a bit of a did. go at him. Was it on telly or was it just photographs? Oh, it was on telly, Oh, mate. was it? Yeah, a clip exists out there somewhere. Um, I've seen pictures of it, but I've never seen uh, live pictures of me it. Me with my, like, blonde ringlets looking Amazing. really cross. Great. I crossed my arms. I had a scowl on my face. Face. Uh, and the funny thing is, I really didn't know uh, absolutely naff all about politics. I really knew nothing. I knew that I was interested in the general election. I was 19 and I was like a fresher in my in my student year. Um, so I, yeah, I knew very little and hadn't had much of like a political upbringing or a political um, yeah, education in my younger years. So it was all very new to me, but I knew quite intuitively that I wasn't a Tory. And from like, you know, those deep and meaningfuls at 3am in the morning when you're like, you know, a student and you and your mates talk about like the real earnest, important things. I knew that like there was something very like anti-Tory that mm. was within me. Um and so I thought, oh, David Cameron is doing a visit. He's literally right opposite me. I was at the gym at the time. I like marched on over to see what all the fuss was about because their big campaign wagon had like turned up on campus. And it was completely by chance that I got to the front of this sort of group of people and he literally walked past me, brushed shoulders with me. And I said, what are you going to do about working class students or something like mm. that? Um, because I'd got to uni with a full grant and a full bursary and I felt very protective of that and proud of that um and 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 we just engaged with each other we had a full-on couple this is what I do like about David Cameron because I know that David Cameron's place in history yeah it's a murky one might be um might have a few issues shall we say but When I worked for David Cameron, I always really respected him and working for him, truthfully, he was a good boss. But if people did approach him like that, he didn't fob them off. He often would listen and he would have a debate with Mm. them and listen to their concerns. So I did always respect him for that. And also he was like, he is really clever. So therefore, he would always know the issues that people were asking him about. It wasn't as though he was like, I don't know. Like, he would really deeply engage with people. And that, I really noticed that, especially like if someone approached him who perhaps had an illness or their child had an illness and came to him and spoke to it, he would know all of the information. So it's good that, you, you know, you had a go at him, but you probably did spoil one of my colleagues' days <laughs> uh, and, you know, resulted in some kind of what would have been negative pictures because I do remember discussing it in the office during the campaign. So little did I know. Wow. Ten years <laughs> later, here that we we'd are. be buddies, that we'd be buddies. But I think what's really interesting about the relationship that we have is that, yeah, we do sit on different sides of the political fence mm. and we are quite different in a lot of ways mm. but we have a lot of respect and a lot of love for each other 100%. and just because we think differently doesn't mean that we don't like each other no whereas i have found recently and especially kind of in the last few months when there's been an election people have been quite aggressive towards each other and really disrespectful of other people's opinions and i just don't think that's a good way of winning people round to be yeah. honest like yeah 
the Labour Party might, just throwing it out there, they might have some work to do to kind of fix some relationships, build I'm, some bridges. I'm looking, I'm looking <laughs> aghast. I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, telling people that they're Tory scum, which uh, has been thrown at me of late, uh, isn't helpful, isn't helpful. So yeah. this After Party podcast is really about us finding kind of what brings us together what gives us unity and actually you can completely disagree on things and still go and have a pint in the pub afterwards it's all right you don't need to hate someone just because they think a bit differently to you and I find it very like interesting when I um you know I worked for yeah for labor for about three and a half years like when you'd meet people not staff I mean because everyone was like a lot more sensible um than like the average uh I guess the average like person but in terms of our approach to winning a winning an election, you met some members who would say that they would, uh, you know, like, oh, we shouldn't be talking to Tories. We should be, uh, you know, we shouldn't be talking to Tories. Like, you know, we should be looking to get people who aren't registered to vote or people who are too young to vote getting in, like, a new generation. It's like, you do realise that to win a majority, we need to win over people who currently vote Tory because that's how a majority works. Like, you need to... Yeah. persuade people to vote Labour? I remember when I first started working in the Tory party. Now, I'm from the northeast of England originally, uh, so working in the Conservative Party, having educated in a comprehensive school and having not gone to Oxbridge, mm. I what? might have brought slightly different uh, skills or viewpoint uh, than others, but people would often talk about winning Hammersmith. Like We need to win Hammersmith in order to get a majority. And I'd be like, you need to win Middlesbrough. Mm. to win a majority so how's this going to work on the doorstep in Middlesbrough like you can't just think of things and I think it's that everybody does it who lives in London because there's 8 million people living in London it's very easy to get enclosed in this London centric bubble Mm. but that's why I think it's really important and actually that's in some ways what's quite interesting about Dominic Cummings being in uh, number 10 he's from Durham yeah that's very unconventional you know and the fact that it is now this um Tory stronghold in the northeast. I never thought that I would say oh, that. You, you say know. it with such glee. <laughs> well, Northumberland's basically bastard. like sorry now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just almost all blue if it wasn't for one spec, you know. So it is quite interesting in that regard. And now that there is this like enclave of Tory MPs who will be, you know, coming down on the LNER every Monday morning and heading back every Thursday night, they're probably, if they work as a group, could achieve quite a lot for yeah. the northeast. And I hope they do. But I don't know if those are long-term Tory seats, you know. Like, I think they're really flippable back to us. I'm not just saying that because I'm biased. I think it's just like... I wouldn't it's... disagree with you on that. Mm. I have to admit, I was genuinely surprised that Sedgefield and yeah. Durham Northwest went to the Tories. Genuinely surprised. But I think if that group of MPs work together and get some major infrastructure projects going in that part of the northeast i think you know somewhere like redcar that has relied heavily <laughs> on industry for a long time industry that's now well died truthfully if they can do some really big investment in infrastructure projects i think you could see a change but certainly when i was growing up um you know there were very few tory seats i think there was maybe three in the northeast four in the northeast up until 97 mm. and then there was one and you had the majority of the cabinet living in the northeast of England because, you know, you had Tony Blair, Nick Brown, Alan Milburn. You know, you had mm. all these people and nothing was spent there. Yeah. So if the Tories spend in the northeast, I think people will remember that because it has been 40 years since the minor strike. So, you know, 
it's a new generation. Yeah, that's interesting. I thought that picture that they put on Twitter of the new uh, Tory intake of Northern MPs was absolutely tragic. Did you see it? it oh, I don't think I've seen it. Men. Oh. And it was like, guys, have some have some self-reflection. Like, it's really unfortunate that you are all white men. And now the fact that you're, like, advertising it and proud of it. But and the new MP it. for Bishop Auckland uh, rhymes with Vienna. Deanna Davison. <laughs> that's what it says on her Twitter. Right, my name rhymes with Vienna. Deanna Davison, she's a she's a woman. Oh well, I don't know where this photo was. Maybe like what part of the of the north it was from. Then it was like oh, maybe the, the northwest, new, yeah. maybe so. But it was like oh, you know, twenty white dudes, and I was like, that's sad, isn't it? I think that's still a challenge that the Tory Party needs to get to grips with. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no denying it. Uh, Labour, I think, are what, 50 50 male, female in Parliament? It's now? Something like that, yeah. Which is pretty, pretty impressive. Really, pretty I think in the Liberal Democrats, it's uh, more in favour of the women, but you know, there's only 12 of them. So. Yeah, small numbers. <laughs> and I think the Green Party is 100% female. Wow, I know, incredible. That. That's amazing. <laughs> so there's definitely still work to be done. But do you know what? I'm At the minute, I'm just going to ride that wave of optimism that good things are going to happen in the next five years. Yeah, because you're in government. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> of course, you're optimistic. The rest of us are like weeping into yeah, our... Yeah, it is quite strange. As, um, in the run-up to the election, lots of people on Facebook, because obviously I live in an echo chamber of Labour supporters from the comedy community, mm. and there was a lot of noise about uh, Labour and how people were voting and how much they hated the Tories and all of these things. Um, But there wasn't much noise the day after. I have to admit, I didn't go on and gloat about the win. Very big of you. But I tell you what I did see, which I found fascinating and I think proves why this podcast is important. A guy who runs a comedy night in East London... Obviously, maybe perhaps after a, a few fanters uh, had, had put on Facebook that uh, no audience members were welcome anymore who voted Tory. He was like, we used to be an inclusive night. No more, no longer. Wow. If you're a Tory, you're not welcome. Anyway, it escalated hugely. It obviously went big. Uh, people wrote loads of like hate mail to the pub that runs it. Suffice to say that the pub pulled the night. He then had to apologise. And everyone was like, buddy, you can't tell people not to come just because of how they voted. And also, it's a secret ballot. How are you going to know yeah. who voted for me? But speaking of ballots, I think we've got oh. an interesting ballot coming up, have we not? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. That was such a lovely little segue. <laughs> mm, delicious. Now, the, the Conservative Party um, went through a phase of loving a leadership contest. Oh, they couldn't get enough. Oh, could not get enough. You were like, how should we make everyone feel ostracised and hate us? Oh, another leadership contest. One more time. Yeah, so you guys have had a few in the past few years. Yes, we have, yeah. There was obviously 2015 when Corbyn uh, was came completely, literally from the left field, oh, um, <laughs> and like side-blinded a lot of us. Um, and it was hopeful and it was exciting and you know it was a real new era I guess uh, very much made possible by a new leadership electoral process which had been put into place from Ed Miliband's days uh, so yeah I think there there obviously was 2015 and that was big and then 2016 was a little bit more uncomfortable and unpleasant because it was based off the back of a, a sort of slightly failed coup. Um, of course. Do you remember? I, do you know what? I, I kind of forget that they were that close together. Mm, yeah, yeah. So Ed Miliband stood down immediately after the loss in 2015. Corbyn wins that one. Mm-hmm. The following summer, everyone in the shadow cabinet resigns. Some, I mean, sort of, yeah. 
Sometimes. And then it forces another leadership contest. And it's like Owen Smith yeah, yeah. against him. Yeah. Corbyn wins big. Yeah, big time. We then go into the general election in 2017. Yeah. Corbyn, I think he won. I mean, it was a moral victory. Oh, Sarah. right, that's it. That's you it. You forget the, the detail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. um, you know, he is a 10 out of 10 <laughs> leader. Uh, 10 out of 10. And then obviously. Can't fault the guy. He, uh, did he win the general election in 2019? Well, I mean. I'd say he was present but not involved. Right, okay, okay. Because, I mean, losing... How many seats did Labour lose? Okay, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Maybe, it still hurts. <laughs> I bet it does. Maybe not getting the number of seats that one had hoped for yeah. uh, normally results in a leader giving a speech the next day and saying it's time for someone else to do this. Instead, Corbyn comes on and says, I probably won't contest the next general election, but doesn't say he's resigning. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah. Yes. So we're now in a place, because we have sort of moved, thankfully, from that position, which was murky, to say the least. Uh, We have moved into a place where we're having a leadership contest right now. We are in the thick of it. We are in the midst of this moment. And I think as it currently stands, we've got four people who have got enough MP nominations. Um, The way it works with Labour leadership. Labour leadership. Too many L's, man. Too many L's. Isn't it? Labour leadership election. Uh, The way it works is that the Parliamentary Labour Party, which is the MPs who represent Labour. And um, MEPs, all ten of them. And MEPs. I always forget about those, don't I? Most people do. Yeah. (laughs) I think that might have been a problem, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so Labour MPs and MEPs get to nominate their preferred, favoured, whatever, candidate to be the leader. And they need to get, I think it's 10%. I think they need to get 10% of that uh, number of people, which is what now, 100 and... It must be about 200 odd because I think you need to get 22 names in order to get to the next bit. God, I should really know, shouldn't I? I think Labour have got... I think it's 201, you know. Yeah, or 203. Because the Tories have got 365 because it's like one a day. Yes, all right. Still hurts. (laughs) I think, because we had, I think we had something like 260 and we lost 50... Nine or something. So yeah, yeah. we're probably just over the two hundred mark. You see, since I've not worked at the party for six months, I've forgotten everything. Isn't it weird? I remember I used to know all the parliamentary candidates, all of the seats, which were target seats, which were swing seats. You know, which seats were under threat. Now, because there's been such a, and also because so many established MPs stood down in 2019, Mm. I'm having to really relearn them. Well, I say redone them. I'm probably not going to. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it is a whole new generation of people. But I tell you the greatest thing about working for a political party, though, just before we continue talking about the leadership contest, is your knowledge of transport systems in the UK becomes (laughs) impeccable. (laughs) Because you really have to know how to get politicians around. So, you know, people are often like, I'm from this really weird town. I'm like, yeah, no, No, exactly that. And often I'll know the parliament. Done a visit there, done a visit there, done a school there, done a youth club. Yeah. Like, you've got a really interesting youth club. Leisure centre. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or you've got this really interesting like workspace and that just charity so we're expecting the four candidates who are lisa nandy jess phillips uh rebecca long bailey and keir starmer but there's more potentially to come yeah it's just that those are the four who've currently got above the threshold to be put through to the next, next round mm. and the next round is where constituency labor parties which is like you know you live in constituency say campbell and peckham which means that campbell and peckham's labor party the little 
branch of it, uh, they vote on who they want to get through to the next round, and they need to get X percent of constituency Labour parties and also affiliated socialist societies, which is like unions and you know uh, the Fabians, the Jewish Labour Network, etc. They need to vote on their preference, which is like done by the a ballot of their membership. They need to vote. And then there's another threshold for that. So you basically got to jump through two runs before lot, you can even get to the membership vote. Because for the Tories, what they do is there's a number of rounds of the MPs until it gets to two people, then it goes to the members. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't have like, well, there are affiliate societies, but they're not as like institutionally recognised yeah. as it is in the Labour Party. Yeah, you've got a slick process because uh, democracy in your pie, it, you're not... I wouldn't say you're so hot on it. I think we are, like one member, one vote. Whereas well, like, and you've got no bloody members, so... I don't know how many members there are at the minute. Um, <laughs> it's pretty but easy. But in the Labour Party, could I, if I was a member of the Labour Party yeah. and I was a member of the Fabians and I was a member of a union, mm-hmm. unlikely, and I was a member of, uh, uh, um, I don't know, the Women's um, yeah. uh, Society of it, mm-hmm. would that mean like I've got five votes? Yes, but all of those votes aren't equal. So if you ah, voted right. okay. in your, as in if you voted in your, you're a member of the Fabian Society, right? Which is an affiliated mm. Labour organisation. If you voted in the Fabians, it would only be the winner of the rat of the whole of the Fabian process who would then be the person who would get a nomination. So your vote in the Fabians does it's not equal to your vote as a member. Do you see what I mean? Because like it's still so small scale, you'd still need to. And do the unions vote on block for this process? Yes. So the unions are part of the affiliated society kind of section of things. Uh, And then once those people... And it's usually that, you know, say you get um, the the four candidates that we've currently got through, as you laid out, they've probably already got, you know, volunteers or staffers or whatever, making sure that they've got the right amount of votes in constituency Labour parties or socialist societies or unions or whatever lined up and ready so that they sail through to the next round because it would be quite unconventional to get the backing of MPs but not then get the backing of constituency Labour parties who, you know, should sort of mirror, in a lot of instances, will sort of mirror their own MPs' opinion, if that makes sense. I have uh, signed up for Jess Phillips's campaign emails, so I receive those. Mm -hmm. So you're finding out all the inside goss? Well, not really, but you know, they're just (laughs) saying this is what's happening. As uh, Jess Phillips um, came to my Edinburgh show in 2019, as I'd met her the previous year uh, after Matt Ford's Edinburgh show. Yes. We bumped into each other, we ended up having a drink together. Uh, and she very kindly came to my show this year and tweeted about it and it was so funny to see well not funny because it's quite awful but the <laughs> abuse that she was then sent because she'd gone to see a Tory show uh, I mean the after party <laughs> after party ethos goes against that doesn't it yeah we should um, I mean if anything dear listeners I'm just here to find out what the other half are doing I'm just trying to get the inside <laughs> scoop that's what it is this is a real like you know keep your enemies closer kind of oh situation. is it it's yeah. a shame I'm such a moderate Tory though, isn't it <laughs> yeah it is I can introduce you to someone sort of further to the right if you wish oh please can't wait <laughs> please oh my my so yeah so we are having a leadership election we are in the midst of it and yeah we've got four candidates so far but hey you never know by the time this comes out it could be five it could be six we're just waiting for other people to see if they get the right amount of nominations to be put forth but 
I think it's a really, honestly, like it's the first time for a while I've been really excited about the internal machinations of the Labour Party because usually it's horrible hellfire. I think that this is a really good time. I'm a true believer in democracy and I'm a true believer in a strong opposition. Oh yeah. I want to see the right candidate who can kind of whip the Labour Party to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. You want to see the right candidate. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think if you look at what Blair did in the, the 90s in putting the, the Labour Party into an incredibly electable position, you know, he won three elections in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, fair enough, we have had four elections in the last 10 years. It's a bit <laughs> unusual. It seems a bit excessive. Hopefully we'll go back to the time when we'd have them, you know, on the same period of like an Olympics or a World Cup rather yeah. than, you know. Something to look forward to, eh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, it's been a little bit too frequent. Uh, But it would be good to see that. But I think there's going to need to be quite a change because I would also imagine that whoever comes in will want to change the makeup of your headquarters. And, you know, so there probably will be a big change in the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah, I reckon so. I mean, the thing about, like, a new leader coming in is definitely, like, lots of fresh blood, lots of new ideas, lots of new uh, staff... Uh, and I guess like one slightly reassuring thing to know is that the leadership staff are not headquarters staff. So headquarters is a bit more like a sort of civil service, mm. you know, like they and that's where I worked. I worked for the headquarters, not for the leader's office. Um, and they yeah, they, they've they've ridden every single uh, high and low for X number of years. You had people on staff who'd been part of the winning election team in 1997, people who'd been there longer than that, people who'd been there on staff 40 years, and then, you know, young upstart whippersnappers like me who were kind of new, um, you know, professionally new in the game. And, and it was a real mix. So you had lots of expertise, lots of skills, and those people tend to stay. But of course... Yeah, the the sort of top positions in the leader's office will be absolutely changed because mm. if you get elected and your campaign manager was the person you hold partially responsible for that, they're getting a bloody job. Oh, absolutely. But you do need the institutional memory of political parties for sure. You 100%. need someone who understands why certain seats never go our way or always go against us, whatever it may be. Uh, but if you were to put make a prediction, mm. and I'm not going to hold you to it, I'm not going to like <laughs> hang it over your head if it's wrong. If you were to make a prediction today mm. on the knowledge that we have of there being four candidates, yeah. who do you think on the 4th of April will be heading into Shadow Cabinet as the leader? Okay, so if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said one thing, and you asked me today and I'll say something different, which is proof that it moves quickly and things change quickly. I think at this current time, it's looking like Keir Starmer will be the leader of the Labour Party. And that's honestly surprised me, um, not a huge amount, but it surprised me a bit because I thought that the sort of Corbyn continuity candidate would be much more likely to get the backing of the membership and that would be Rebecca Long-Bailey. So before this process started, I was like, you know, it it looks like it's... um, Becky Longbait BLB, you know, but now actually there was only one poll done thus far, which put Keir like comfortably ahead. So I'm not resting all of my all of my sort of faith on that, to be honest. But it's more that I think the the backing that he's got, like he's already got Unison, uh, the the biggest UK's biggest union on side. He's got a lot of support from the Parliamentary Labour Party. I see that being quite similar with constituency Labour parties. And then honest, honestly, and this is going to be 
contentious but I honestly think a lot of people even Labour membership who are very progressive and very like you know open-minded about what a leader can be and what a politician should look like I think we're still probably in a place where a man in a suit looks the part more than women do and I really really deeply regret that I really regret that we're still in that place I think Kia has a very strong commanding presence it's all gendered isn't it this is very gendered yeah but also he has had a job that pushes him to that because he was the brexit secretary shadow Uh, i was going to say prior to that though in his like working life before he became an mp he was the uh chief prosecutions person oh god i mean i i literally want to say big cheese for prosecutions (laughs) but i know that's not the actual title i think we can call him that yeah and you know he was knighted for that role so he's done a job you know he's he's 58 he He don't look it does he no he doesn't at all he doesn't at all he's aged well that guy he's aged well (laughs) um you know he uh has a law degree he has been um a human rights lawyer for the majority of his career Mm. He obviously was in this um, big cheese for prosecutions job that I can't remember what it's called. He was knighted. He became an MP in 2014. He's been very active in the shadow cabinet over the past three years or so. Whereas, let's take Jess Phillips. Mm. She's, what, 38. Um, She's obviously worked very much in um, uh, domestic abuse charities in the West Midlands is very focused on the West Midlands. And I think as much as she's a grafter and she's a campaigner, one of the reasons she perhaps doesn't have the gravitas compared to someone who has been a barrister for a mm. long time, it, you know, it, it's it's a shame, really, because I think having someone different would be great. But as you say, we're so programmed to yeah. accepting that someone who's had that kind of job, that kind of education... Um, that kind of style, for want of a better phrase, is who we'd all opt for. Yeah. And I'm not going to say whether or not, you know, I'm happy about that specifically being Kia. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I don't have a particular judgment on whether this is like a good thing because I love Kia and I want him to be the leader or otherwise. Mm. It's just my my opinion regardless like I feel it's just a bit disappointing to think that it's likely that we will likely that we'll choose a man over um you know three four five women candidates um having said that maybe he's the best candidate maybe he's the right choice and that would be true whether there were other men in the race or other women in the race I don't know you know no I agree with that and I, I would join in that prediction that it probably will be Keir Starmer. But Imagine in two weeks though if it's like if somebody else comes in. I know, we're from... like Lisa Landy, it's going to be her. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Keir, Keir who? Yeah, well, who it's going to be watching Brief for us on After Party as to uh, who is going to be the new Labour leader because mm. it's keeping us on tenterhooks. It's for sure. sure for sure. Uh, now, Chloe, we're going to be wrapping up soon. So I need to know what exciting plans have you got for the week ahead and also what nice things do you think someone on the right will be doing for the world this week Oof. so me and Sarah decided that we're going to have a segment or like try to have a chat each time about somebody from another political party that we admire so it's not just her randomly asking me <laughs> oh do you love do you love a Tory Chloe do you bloody love a Tory just taunting me yeah. um, it's just us trying to like make uh, yeah make to a, remember that people do nice things on both sides and they do they sure do I am actually going to be a bit of a coward. I'm going to choose a Lib Dem this week. I'm, I can't go full to 
Tory just yet. Just go semi. Like a, a rare beast, the Lib Dems. <laughs> a rare beast. Yeah, what, what who? Uh, yeah, the Lib Dem I would say that I really admire and I'm pleased about what Leila Moran did um in the last week, which was she 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 was I mean, hounded by some very belligerent journalists about her sexuality and they were going to out her. They threatened to out her. That's appalling. Which is revolting. So she basically came out on her own terms and said, you know what? Yes, I am in a relationship with a woman and I'm extremely happy and we're very settled and we're happy together and uh, I'm not a lesbian, I'm pansexual because uh, I've, I, I date people not necessarily based on their sex or gender I'm attracted to sort of people for people mm. and oh my god the backlash people just being like pansexual what's that mean you absolutely love kitchenware <laughs> it's like yeah I've not heard that one before I um, haven't heard that one have before have you not no. Jack, not tickle you there <laughs> I did actually oh wow yeah I mean because <laughs> it's so silly <laughs> it's, so, it's so bloody silly but I think like what she did was like she came out kind of all, all guns blazing really like she wrote a really brilliant article she was in some pink news content and I really appreciate pink news kind of like giving her that platform mm. to like share that and regardless of her politics I think if you're being hounded by a jur- by several journalists about being outed shame on them shame I was hoping on them that she outed them to be honest I but just, no she but was also, very graceful who cares that's what I don't understand like who cares what does it matter people like, were saying love who you want to love it I doesn't know. matter People were saying that she was a, an attention seeker, that the whole oh thing had been God, like a, sort a of stunt to, to up her publicity. And it's like, as a queer person myself, I can absolutely promise you, nobody pretends to be queer if they don't, if they don't have to or if they aren't genuinely queer because it's not necessarily a good time. Like, the amount of, like, abuse and nastiness you get on basis of being pan or bi or lesbian or gay or whatever or trans or queer, it's it, it's not a good time. Like, she's not attention-seeking. No. That is everybody her truth. just live their life that they want to live and everybody respect it. Yeah, I'm on board. I just can't bear people caring about what people get up to in their bedroom or in their privacy of their own homes. Just crack on. Or in the street. Or I don't mind. Whatever you want. Uh, well, quite nothing better than a bit of a <laughs> cheeky snog walking through <laughs> the park. Well, Tell me about yours. Have yeah, you got one? I need to think about this, actually. Um, I feel as though, because Parliament's only been back a week, there hasn't been many opportunities That's true. for people to do lots of nice things. Uh, but I, do, I did read of a Labour MP, I can't remember his name, uh, who has said that he will loan his uh, MP's vote to a candidate who maybe doesn't have enough. What's his name? Alex Sobel. Oh, Alex Sobel. So he's said that he will do that, which I think is very nice, but I do have a fear. I do have a slight fear. As much as I think it's a good thing to do, I have a slight fear, which is Margaret Hodge did that for Jeremy Corbyn. She gave him the final name so that he could be on the ballot. And yes, it opened up the debate, but it opened up the debate so much it went bad. So yeah. Was that Margaret Beckett, not Margaret that, Hodge? Sorry, that is who I meant. Yeah. I was picturing Margaret Beckett in my head, but I said Margaret Hodge. <sighs> so many Margarets. Well, quite. You could have said Thatcher. Just obsessed. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get that one confused. <laughs> Definitely not. So no, I think that's a nice thing to do because, you know, if he's not got his, um, you know, colours nailed to the flag post or whatever that phrase is then why not why not kind of extend it and if it means that another woman is involved or I know that Clive Lewis is I uh, understand so it would extend the um the BAME aspect of uh, the race then why not crack on yeah 
But have someone sensible win, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can really turn around and bite you on the ass, that one, when you're like, hey, guys, I just want to broaden the debate. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah. eh, actually, yeah, we've got like a candidate who maybe shouldn't have been yeah. in the race because they actually don't have the support of the Parliamentary Labour Party and that's going to become a massive problem. Yeah, yeah. so I guess my kindness to the Labour Party this week would be... Um, just just check your history, your really recent history, guys. <laughs> and, you know, if the Parliamentary Labour Party isn't supporting the leader, you've got problems ahead. Yeah, so there's just, trouble just, at mill. Just keep that in mind. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only little sprinkle of advice. <laughs> but I like that you gave Alex Sobel a shout out because you think it was kind that he did that. Like, yeah, politics aside, that is just quite a sort of honourable thing to do, whether or not you agree with it in principle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we hope that all listeners... Listen to the after party and think, you know what, this is the week that I'm going to be kind to someone who thinks differently to me. Or perhaps if you don't agree with something you hear, just listen to it and decide whether it makes you hunker down in your position more or whether it makes you slightly change your view. <laughs> Let's just see. Let's just see. Nuanced conversation. Get out of here. <laughs> but if you do want to get in touch with us, we're more than happy to receive a little bit of correspondence. Mm. Uh, you can email us at afterpartypod at gmail.com you can follow us on Twitter Mm -hmm. I'm at Sarah Southern and Chloe is I'm at underscore Chloe Green underscore oh she likes an underscore that one doesn't she well Chloe Green is the bloody heir of the top shop oh of course she is and it's also a deeply common name so there's a lot of Chloe Greens out there yeah I can imagine there probably would be Uh, so yeah don't follow the top shop heiress or do she might give you some fashion advice Uh, but yeah follow us on Twitter if you want to like send us a message just hashtag it afterpartypod and uh, Uh, we'll take a look and probably get back in touch as we do like to speak to people Uh, but if not tune in next week and we'll have more more lovely after party banter for you take care Bye. bye